Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guest house overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. I am not a golfer, but when I received an invitation to attend the annual King Hassan II Pro-Am Golf Tournament in Morocco as one of six North American journalists, how could I refuse? This was the real deal, a formal invitation which arrived in the mail from the King's American press agents, topped with an official Royal Islamic Star, a gold seal and fancy French calligraphy. A week later, first-class tickets arrived for passage from JFK to Marrakesh aboard a chartered Royal Air Maroc Boeing 747. The first inkling that this journey would be an out-of-the-ordinary experience occurred just prior to liftoff. With drinks in hand, people casually strolled the aisles. It was cocktail party central in first class. Some, myself included, sat on armrests talking to pro and amateur golfer or seatmates alike. A large linen-draped trolley topped with a bouquet of fresh flowers graced the front of the cabin. There was no pre-flight safety announcement, no directives to stow your tray tables, buckle up, bring your seat back up, extinguish your laptop and mobile phone. The flight attendants blithely ambled about, champagne flutes on trays as the turbines rolled to full military power. The behemoth 747 rotated and we were airborne. Hardly anyone was seat belted. As the craft nosed skyward, we watched amusedly as the flower cart careened madly down the aisle. After landing in Marrakesh, we were whisked straight through customs without a moment's pause for suitcase inspections. We were guests of the king. Curbside, two buses awaited along with police, motorcycle, and squad car escorts. Wherever we went during our 10-day stay, a security detachment clung close to the buses, along with plainclothes secret service agents. Ahmed, one of King Mohammed's senior agents and I became instant buddies. A couple even commented that they thought he was my older brother. Every day, primarily for the Gulf Widow's entertainment, bus excursions were offered to historic destinations such as Casablanca, Fez, Tangiers, and the Caves of Hercules. Each morning as I'd enter La Mumunia Hotel's lobby after breakfast, there was Ahmed, dapper and professional-looking, but with a gracious smile of welcome. He'd approach, put his arm around my shoulder, or hold my hand and ask, Where are you good today, Tom? I'd then inquire about his bus escort assignment, and if I liked the sound of his trip better than my pick, I'd hop on Ahmed's bus. It was a relationship where it wasn't the content or the intensity of conversation that made the friendship special, it was the unspoken, intangible elements. You know, 
the comfortable sense you instantly get from certain people just met, the feeling that you might have been best buddies in a past life, or at least a confident sense of knowing them from somewhere sometime long ago. That's the way it was with Ahmed and me. One day, following the entourage's relocation to Rabat, I joined Ahmed's group for a visit to Fez. As we walked through the narrow alleyways of an ancient souk, I sensed a particularly scary-looking bearded man with tattered clothes and a worn-out, grease-stained baseball cap. We'd round a corner in the donkey-dung-littered marketplace, and there was the mutant, slithering once again amidst the crowd. Later in the afternoon, I observed one of the suits whispering clandestinely to the freaky guy, and that's when I realized he was one of Ahmed's moles. One particularly warm afternoon in Rabat, Ahmed approached me in the hotel lobby. He asked if I'd like to go with him as he escorted Noreen, the mother of the pro from Cork, Ireland, and an ultra-wealthy Mexican couple attending as amateur golfers to one of Rabat's Medina marketplaces. Sure, I said, I'll grab my camera and meet you at your car. Ahmed careened his frog-shaped Citroën at high speeds through the streets of Rabat, whipping the steering wheel about with casual abandon. Our journey was serenaded by the slow, methodical chants at the Mizzoun's evening calls to the faithful. Competing chants emanated from tinny loudspeakers mounted atop dozens of neighborhood minarets. Inside the walled Medina, the atmosphere was festive but relaxed as locals shopped for the ingredients for their evening meals. The market brimmed with carpets piled high, fresh and dried fruits, oranges and lemons, glistening brassware, silk scarves and leather goods, along with daggers and Bedouin swords dangling from the facades of the open-air stalls. Ahmed was a master haggler, and he knew well the real value of the goods being tendered. I discovered this as I started to hand a shopkeeper a $20 bill for a curved Bedouin dagger. Ahmed held my hand back and barked out a few Arabic utterances. He then turned to me and said with a checkmate grin, The shopkeeper says he will accept $8. One shop in particular caught my attention with its array of glistening hammered tin and brassware. At the rear of the shop, seated on a tattered stool, sat an elderly man. He looked exactly like the model guy for the zigzag rolling papers. Another man in his thirties puffed peacefully on a hookah. I wanted to take a picture, but thought it prudent to ask Ahmed first, since both men would be prominent in the shot. Yes, of course, no problem, Tom, you shoot. As I clicked off three or four frames, the zigzag man smiled faintly, while the young man just stared blankly. But then, quickly yanked his face away from the lens. As he did so, I noticed an iciness to his gaze. We walked on and turned a corner in a narrow corridor of the open-air section, all of it looking a bit like the marketplace in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Most everyone we encountered looked peaceful, going about their business serenely, but there were a few whose behavior and expressions raised little alarms in my head. Still, I gaffed it all off as cultural differences. But that's not how my travel mate, Miss Noreen from Cork, interpreted a situation. 
This was her first journey beyond the pale, and by all outward appearances she was remarkably relaxed, but now when I turned to ask her how she was doing, she was semi-paralytic. Noreen, are you all right? I asked. No, I don't think so, she announced meekly. Is it safe here, Tom? Are you sure it's okay? Her voice had a quavering, bird-like, Celtic lilt. Of course it is, Noreen, I answered confidently. I turned to Ahmed for reassurance. Ahmed, tell Noreen how safe it is here. Ahmed stood at attention as he looked in Noreen's eyes and proudly proclaimed in a fatherly tone, Noreen, I could leave you here to at midnight, and I assure you, nothing bad would happen. Not more than a minute later, Ahmed turned to me and said, Tom, if you excuse me for a moment, I would like to go talk to my friend in a shop over there. Ahmed stepped away into a glass-fronted stall a few feet away, and we caught snippets of his pantomime conversation with his friend, the local date and almond specialist. As I turned to comfort Noreen, a curly, black-haired man who walked with a scrunch and looked very much like a severely pissed-off Groucho Marx on LSD, roared straight up to me. He looked at my camera with pure hatred, pointed at my chest, and then glared at me as he waggled his index finger in my face. You have camera. I have gun. I come back and shoot you in face. Whereupon he vaporized into the crowd of peaceful, fez-capped, calf-can-draped, and burka-shrouded late-afternoon shoppers. Not more than ten seconds later, Ahmed reappeared. He sensed something was a kilter. He glanced at me and asked, Is everything all right, Tom? No, Ahmed, actually it's turning out to be a rather crappy day. A guy just walked up and threatened to shoot me, and he just ran off, I think, to go get his gun. Where is he? Where'd he go? We get him. He then wrapped his arm through mine and jerked me from a standstill to a full tilt boogie. Instantly, everything went into hyperdrive, a whizzing, whirring, panoramic blur. It was like I had just become the lens of a video camera, filming my own Technicolor Hollywood action movie. Card tables overturned, Shoppers and peddlers dove out of Ahmed's way as we weaved and dodged down the Medina's narrow alleyways. All the time his right arm tightly interlocked with my left. Ahmed charged ahead like a linebacker bulldozing the defense, and I the reluctant linebacker sidekick. As we hurtled on toward what seemed a rendezvous with doom, I thought to myself, this is absurd. Here I am, towed by Ahmed toward the very guy who wants to shoot me, and I'm the only one in the movie without a gun. Still, somehow, I wasn't scared. The whole situation was unfurling way too fast for that, and it was all way too surreal. Just then, up ahead, I spotted Groucho turning a corner. There he is, Ahmed! Seconds later, Ahmed tackled the guy lifted him up by the collar of his olive drab army jacket. He held him aloft, with feet dangling in space, as Ahmed rapid-fire rattled off nasty-sounding, spittle-charged Arabic utterances. To complete the scene, imagine about 75 timid, incredulous, mouse-like shoppers standing around us in a tightly-packed circle, much like spectators watching a junior-high lunchtime fight. Ahmed then drop-kicked Groucho to the ground, pulled out his glistening Golden King badge in one hand and pistol in the other. 
He shoved them alternately in front of the mutant's face as he continued berating him. I imagine the gist of Ahmed's lecture was something akin to, You imbecile! You fool! You knave! How could you have insulted a guest of King Muhammad VI? Do you realize how easily you could be shot for such an offense? As Groucho lay covered in dust at Ahmed's feet, with an expression that was scared but still pissed off, Ahmed turned to me and said, How you say in English? I think he is just local, crazy but harmless. If it is all right with you, we let him go. What the hell was I supposed to say? No, Ahmed, I do not think so. Shoot him, but instead I replied, It is entirely up to you. Ahmed pulled Groucho up off the ground, dusted him off, and sent him scurrying off through the Medina's narrow passageway. And that's the last I saw of Groucho, until we were close to the market's two-story keyhole-arched entrance. I happened to glance into the zigzag guy's stall, and there Groucho was, slightly disheveled and dusty, and obviously still severely pissed off. Lurking in the back of the copper pot and pan and dagger shop, he stared out at me with utter, undiluted contempt. I felt like calling out, Dude, you started it! But I just turned away and we walked back to Ahmed's car for the ride back to the Rabat Hilton, where we donned tuxedos and joined the king's old friend, the golf legend Billy Casper, and his entourage as they celebrated Casper's birthday with a feast of mutton and entertainment by horn-blaring and tambourine-rattling Bedouin tribesmen. Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guesthouse overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. These children experience a world of science, technology, engineering, art, and math at Hearst Castle STEAM, along with studying the legacy of Julia Morgan, one of the most important women in the history of engineering and architecture. The foundation at Hearst Castle not only changes the lives of children, but also provides lifetime memories and unrivaled experiences for our generous donors and members. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher.com, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to thomaswilmer.com. This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer. Please support your local NPR station.